everybody, and welcome to the Fortress of Comic News, episode 206. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside Mike. Hey, just Mike today, huh? My co-host, Mike, I should oh, say. Oh, well, thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, it, it should be like Mike, the guy who watched, I don't know, six hours of TV this week. <laughs> yeah, most, that's about right. Most of it being Snyder Cut. Um, yeah, welcome to the show, everyone. Today we have a, a very special guest coming up, uh, Mr. Jay Sandlin, to talk about his upcoming uh, horror book with uh, Xenoscope. Um, it's part of the Tales of Terror Quarterly, the anthology horror. Uh, it's about H.H. Holmes, so stick around for that. Uh, and Chris and I got a lot to talk about this week, so I think we're just going to jump into the thick of it. Um, I will real quick. Because, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. I also had a really busy week. Yeah. Uh, everybody saw in your podcast feeds that the live stream I did about the Snyder Cut with the people over I Freaking Love Comics is there. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you prefer video or you're watching us on YouTube, you can go over to their YouTube and just watch the whole live stream there. Uh, we had a lot of fun. And because of that, I won't talk a whole ton about Snyder Cut on here. I'll give yep. my thoughts, but I won't go into as much detail as I did there. Yeah. I have a I I mean I have a free I have a few pretty big like takeaways and like yeah. things that I saw um but I mean overall I liked I liked Justice League I mean I didn't hate on Justice League I mean I, it's a very low bar for me to entertain me with a movie so we pretty much I I do think I'm watching is like the best thing I've ever watched at that point in time <laughs> so like like I watched an episode of Downton Abbey this morning it was the best thing I've ever watched you know but like <laughs> um <laughs> I also, I really want everyone to know that uh, the 50th anniversary Black Series Star Wars figures hit pre-order. Yeah. And I was able to pre-order a Jackson action figure, and I'm super happy about that. Oh, Anyone that does not know, Jackson the Green Rabbit, first found in Star Wars Comics number eight. Wow. Um, That's, I didn't, they're at the 50th anniversary for those toys? Yeah, I think it's for the toy. I think it's for the toy line. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. But I was just like, okay, yeah, you're making a Jackson figure. I'll put it next to my other figures of not regular Star Wars character. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty obscure. Um those those Black Series figures are really good though. They're Yeah, they really I still good. have I bought the whole Afro set. So I have, oh uh, yeah. There you go. Nice. Along with the two robots. And then yep. the one that makes me laugh is I had to buy a, the the Grogu. Oh yeah, oh. that's to to size with the rest of the series. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah, so let's let's just jump into the news. Oh, speaking of Grogu, uh, we're only a month away, or almost a, just one month away from the next Star Wars show. So that's uh oh yeah, bad yeah, batch. The bad batch yeah, comes out yeah. May fourth. Because I was talking, I was like talking about Star Wars with someone. They're like, "Yeah, um, I'm like, you don't have to wait that long. It comes out May fourth, so awesome." Uh, speaking of TV shows, the Boys spinoff series has three more actors: um, Shane Paul McGee, Amy Carrero, and Maddie Phillips are playing students at Vaught Industries School. Um, so, looks like they're adding more people. This is becoming a thing. Yeah, uh, I guess these. These boys spin off news like anticlimactic because yeah. they're just saying they're playing students. Okay, right. like are they right. going to be characters from the comic? Right, we don't know. 
is is one of them going to be Tech Knight? Who knows? Um, that's all I want to really know. Like, let me know where Tech Knight's at. If this if, if this spinoff is how we get Tech Knight, then okay, I'll watch it. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll watch it either way yeah. because it's made by the same people and it might be enjoyable. I mean, if it's if I watch two episodes, it's garbage, then it's gone. But I'll um, at least check it. CW's Naomi series now has its leading lady in Ava DuVernay. So, um, I don't know if there's speculation that she was going to play it, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, and, you know, it's no coincidence that the Justice League book this week, <laughs> um, yeah, was we'll like, get into that. yeah, it was like, hey, Naomi, it was like, wait a second. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, if you're looking forward to this show, I don't know, I, there's so many DC shows for me to check out now that's like, I still got to catch up on Doom Patrol and Titans, and then maybe I'll get into this. You know what is uh, will keep me from watching this show more than anything else involved with it? And uh, speaking of judging a book by its cover, I'll listen to our interview later. Yep. Is it's uh, a CW show. As right. soon as I see the CW logo, I'm just like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't do it anymore. No more Dawson's Creek for me. Um, but yeah. Always, and then, always Dawson's Creek for always, me. Always Dawson's Creek. <laughs> Uh, Disney Plus is adding a couple of hard to find Star Wars series to the service. This is this is pretty crazy news. These are things that we formerly thought you know didn't exist. Um, animated movies, Caravan of Courage, and Ewok Adventure, Ewoks: The Battle for Endor, um, and the story of the faithful Wookiee are coming next month. Uh, the story of the faithful Wookiee is notable as it's a small part of the infamous Star Wars holiday special but not does not seem to hint at its return since the story of the faithful Wookiee has been made available on previous DVD and Blu-ray releases. So this is like they're, they're teetering close to the edge here that the holiday special exists, but uh, I think if I remember correctly, this is like the one thing in the holiday special that Lucas is like, that's fine. Like we can, yeah, let that exist. Yeah. Everything else, burn it to hell. Yeah. It never happened. Um, yeah, so that's cool. I never watched the Ewok movies. I don't know if you have. I have. They're fun. They're so the thing that's always lost on Star Wars fans is that Star Wars is a is a kids movie. Yeah, and that is blatantly obvious when you watch these Ewok movies. Like, remember that it's early '90s. It's geared towards kids who just watched the, or maybe it's '80s. Sorry, it's late '80s. It's geared towards kids who just watch Return of the Jedi. We're like, Ewoks rule. Yeah. Those kids are correct. <laughs> and take it from there. Like, yeah. set your expectations for what those movies are. Because yeah. that's what they are. A kid's movie about Ewoks. Um, that's King, something I, I enjoy them. Yeah. Kingsley Benadir is joining the Marvel Universe with a co-leading role in Secret Invasion. So, um, look forward to him. Yeah, I, did you watch that movie he was just in? Where he no, played I Malcolm not. X? No. Supposedly he's really good. I haven't had a chance to watch uh, it. I believe, I think he was in, where did I first see him? I think it was in a uh, an episode of Black Mirror, um, and he was really good. I remember. I, I know he's a good actor for sure. Um, I did not watch the Malcolm X movie on HBO yet, but uh, I heard he was good in it. Yeah, so another good yeah. actor joining Marvel. I'm yeah, surprise, <laughs> surprise. Oh, man, I'll get a three-movie, five-movie, six-movie deal. Um, 
Kevin Feige says that there's been talks and ideas discussed for a possible The Falcon and Winter Soldier Season 2. So that was quick. <laughs> uh, yeah, and well, I mean, we can jump into yeah. talk of the first episode. Let's talk about the first episode. This show really does lend itself more to a traditional television show as WandaVision was really like, I don't think you can recreate that magic again. Right. Yeah, that's not happening again. Where this, I could see, like, and they're teaming up again, everybody. Yeah. Yep. Like, um, yeah, so Falcon Winter Soldier, episode one, my only my only issue coming out of it was I don't think it was long enough. I wanted, like, two episodes because I kind of was just, I was waiting for something like, okay, let's let's get to the, you know, the, the meat and potatoes. But um, wasn't expecting a, a, a new Captain America so soon, I guess. Uh, that was a little... Interesting. Which makes me laugh because I've seen that uh, running around a lot online. Yeah. Uh, we're like, oh, did you introduce new Captain America already? Yeah. And it's, uh, and I'm not picking on you, Mike. I know you're not a big Marvel fan. But to some of the ones that tell me they're big Marvel fans, and I'm just like, you bla- obviously have not read much Marvel because right. you know anybody that, that yeah. knows the U.S. agent story, he's reintroduced, he's introduced as the new Captain America, right? And then the events happen. So you're um, just excited because we're going to get U.S. agent. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I was a little disappointed that we didn't get Zemo in this episode. At least a yeah. glimpse of what's going on. Yeah. Um, the the flag smashers i like them as villains i like their motivation there mm-hmm. um i really really enjoyed that first sequence with falcon yeah like that's one of the best action sequences i've seen in a long time the the fight scenes are awesome it's like winter soldier style fight scenes and i'm all down for that for sure yeah and to tear the falcons portion of the episode apart like i really enjoyed the fight scene him going back home like I enjoyed some of the backdrop of like what life is when they're not in a suit. Yeah. But I could have done without that part. Uh, like that's yeah. like the one thing in this episode I really d- did not really enjoy. And then the Bucky stuff, I loved every second of it. I the, loved yeah. going back to the red room, um, seeing him in therapy and the fact that he's got to like make amends with everybody mm-hmm. and then actually show him making amends with the yeah. first person. Um, and then it, like it broke my heart when we found out why he was hanging out with that old uh, Japanese man the whole time. Right. I literally was just like, oh, because when I when I first saw it and they were talking, I was like, oh, it's an old buddy from Brooklyn. Like he right, still right. talks to an old friend. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Like, oh yeah, that's about the right age, right? So, and then the reveal hit, and I was like, oh man, yeah, Bucky. Also. Seeing the Bucky with the short hair, I mean, he was great, fantastic in this episode. Looking at him, I'm like, why have you not made this guy Luke Skywalker yet? He looks yeah. so much like Mark Hamill, it's crazy. <laughs> like, how have you not given this guy a Luke Skywalker show? But yeah. I mean, that was my only gripe about it. But he was amazing. I thought, yeah, he. Um, I can't wait to see them team up. We don't get to see them team up yet, so. Yeah, all in all, I really enjoyed the episode because it, yeah. it brought in a lot of like things that I've been reading for most of my life. Yeah, um, anyone cool, also anyone that didn't pick it up, the the soldier that's helping Sam out mm-hmm. that he meets when uh, I think they were in the Middle East somewhere. I don't remember the guy that. with the cell phone that does selfies and stuff. Yeah, he ends up getting beat up by the flag smashers. Yeah, 
So in the comics, he becomes Falcon. Okay. So I think this show culminates in Sam getting the shield. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. And I think it'd be cool if the setup for season two was and he hands over the Falcon wings to this kid. Yeah. Yep. So what? Oh, man, I, I just got goosebumps thinking about like uh, Captain America four movie with Sam at the helm after the show. Like I I'm down for that. Like I like Sam as Cap. I do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He brought and a whole different field to that. Character. Also, uh, Don Cheadle was not expecting to see a war machine in this episode. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was strange. Uh, when he first when I saw him in the, yeah. the uh, sitting while Sam's giving the speech, I was like, yeah. "What's Don Shield doing here?" Yeah, what's he doing here? And they start, <laughs> you know, talking Avengers stuff, and I'm like, "That's awesome." I mean, he's getting his own show, right? So yeah, uh, they had to remind us of that. But no, I mean, overall, it was good. Um, I just want more. <laughs> I mean, still a whole movie of this. Give me more. Uh, and it it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It was a great palate cleanser. So if yep. you weren't really into WandaVision or you were really into WandaVision yep. and you didn't want another heady thing like that, it was a great palate qu- cleanser, kind of by the numbers, action, espionage show with a cool little twist at the end that uh, got me coming back for next week. Yeah. Um, movie news. Uh, <laughs> during my favorite a, news. Yeah, this this is actually relevant to uh, the Thor, the third Thor movie, right? Yeah. Um, where he, if anybody remembers, he's playing Xbox against New Master sixty nine. Um, during an ad for Xbox Game Pass featuring Falcon, uh, <laughs> the identity for New Master sixty nine was revealed, and it's some random guy working at a local game store. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh. I like that they did that. Um, yeah. it's. I love it for multiple reasons. One, because it kind of puts an end to this who's noob master 69. Yeah, right. And also it just takes the... It sucks the wind out of all the fanboys who are just like, it's Deadpool or it's so-and-so. Yeah. Right, right. It's like, no, just some random dickhead that works yep. at GameStop or whatever local game store. Um, <laughs> which makes sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Snyder... I was that dickhead one time. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you were there. Uh, Snyder Cut talk. Okay, so listen, we're not going to pick this apart scene by scene because there's four hours of movie here. Um, I, okay, big key points. Is it better than the Joss Whedon cut? Yes. I think we both agree there. Um, uh, there's, we could both agree there's a lot more characterization for uh, uh, Steppenwolf, mm-hmm. Cyborg. Mm-hmm. The Flash. Um, I will say, coming out of this movie, the we got a lot of extra scenes of the Flash. Uh, we got some time travel scenes with the Flash, which is pretty cool. But uh, I really like Ezra Miller as the Flash. After the, I don't know if it was, I don't know if he just grew on me after all those scenes. Um, I really like. I mean, imagine giving Cyborg some character. <laughs> <laughs> in this next installment of the movie, and it was like, oh shit, like, yeah, he's he's a person too. Um, so I could see where he would be pissed that a lot of his scenes weren't in the <laughs> original movie. I mean, like, mm-hmm. they cut most of his scenes, is what I realized. Uh, and then the Steppenwolf thing. The villain, I mean, his armor was a lot cooler. It, like, moves with his emotions, stuff like that. But his, I mean, his motivation for the in, in the movie is, like, He's trying to suck up to Darkseid because he's basically a little bitch. <laughs> and, 
he he was a traitor to Dark Side once, and then he's like, oh, well, I I kind of I'm kind of shitty and weak on my own, so uh, let me take advantage of a Kryptonian being dead, and then uh, take over the planet. And I, I like the uh, the resolution that like, oh yeah, the Kryptonian's back and he's gonna kick your ass, and you can't really do anything about it. Um, overall, I mean. I think I give it an eight out of ten. Is it the best movie I've ever seen? No. Is it the best DC movie? No. That's Shazam, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of slow mo. There's there's too much slow mo. I will say, like Zack Snyder. We know you like slow mo, but dude, that's a lot of slow. I get it for the flash scene, right? The slow mo makes sense for the flash scene, but then you're telling me everybody's got flash pops. You know what I mean? Like, is everybody in the Speed Force in this movie? Um, right. Yeah, my problem is they get so everyone knows I don't like Flash, right? <laughs> and there's too much Flash, even for somebody who likes Flash. There's too much Flash. Mm. I I disagree with you on the Ezra Miller. I still don't like him as Flash. Yeah, that's I, fine. You don't like, have to like. Yeah, him. it's I I don't like jittery like over caffeinated Flash. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I get it. It makes sense to an extent, but like. I don't know. I just, I, I just don't like it. Yeah. And I think all in all, other than that, like I liked Cyborg more. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought the fight scenes were really great. I liked the characterization of everyone you just said. the The Steppenwolf stuff was the biggest improvement. Like, yeah, the fact that he has a motivation. Yeah, and there's a reason that he's here, and it's not just ooh shiny mother box. Give me. Right. Right. Yeah, the the whole the whole dialogue was different because if you remember, like Steppenwolf shows up and he, he doesn't even address the Amazons. He's just like, oh, mother. And he's like, it's like he refers to the mother box as mother. And there was no, like none of that weird shit dialogue happening. Um, the pair, if you remember, parademons preyed on fear because um, they had to show that with that weird uh, Russian family sequence. They don't pray in fear. That's not how Steppenwolf dies this time. He gets decapitated and then curb stomped by Darkseid. That's another thing. The Darkseid scenes were pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. As somebody who did not enjoy the, the Darkseid like, look yeah. when I was seeing the trailers, I liked it much more in the movie. Mm-hmm. And Which is weird because it's the same, but I right, just liked it right. more. Uh, um, the, I liked the scene of them peering through the boom tube and dark side is there i thought that was pretty cool um that was a pretty cool moment yeah because that's that's such a great moment because it was kind of like a, i'll be back you yeah, know like, yeah. but i yeah, won't you may have got me this time yeah kids, but not next yeah. time. uh anti-life I, equation that wasn't even brought up in the original movie so that that was kind of nice to hear a little bit of that uh yeah i'll say i i thought the whole martian manhunter thing was a little unnecessary mm-hmm. I um, mean, yeah, he's he's brought it up that, and I respect his what he said. He said the reason I did that and the reason I left it the way I left it was because I was tasked with go make the movie you were going to make, right? And the movie I was going to make was going to be this. It's going to lead Just League Two, so I respect that. But I was it was a little disappointing. Um, I really i I want to get this off my chest. I said it in the live stream, but I'll say it here too. All these people who are out there on Twitter saying like this. This uh, give forgives all the sins of Jared Little Joker and Suicide Squad. Uh, That's a stupid opinion. I don't care. I I really <laughs> I I hate when people say that like your yeah. opinion's wrong. But like I really don't like that opinion because a I thought the Joker scene was bad. 
Yeah, it wasn't. And B, I, I, yeah. you can never forgive Suicide Squad in my eyes. That will always be a blight on like, comic book movies. You, you don't think that they score little points for making a reach around joke? I did, I did give him credit for that. <laughs> I always appreciate a good reach around. A joke. good reach around joke. Yeah, I feel, yeah. Uh, and Batman saying, "I'll fucking kill you." I was like, "Okay, that's pretty cool." Uh, I I will say though, I will never be used to or necessarily okay with batman with an assault rifle yeah that just looks weird it looks like he's like at an airsoft uh party or something um i will say so the last the last scene with like bruce and uh martian manhunter you could tell that this was filmed way after because uh um i like at the end of the movie bruce wayne loses like 40 pounds of mass and Mm -hmm. this is definitely like uh, nothing against Ben Affleck, but this is like post, uh, like recovery Ben Affleck because he's like skin and bones. Um, well, he's and, not gonna get back in shape for this. right, right. Like, but it was like, oh, so they did shoot some scenes with him, but uh, and then him talking to uh, uh, Martian Manhunter, he's like, they call me Martian Manhunter, and then he pieces out. I'm like, nobody calls you that, dude. <laughs> Plus, if yeah. I was Bruce Wayne, okay, you're just meeting this random alien thing, right? That looks something straight out of the movies of like what comes from Mars. Yeah. And he's like, and they call me Martian Manhunter. I'd be like, wait, did you say Manhunter? Yeah, like, <laughs> like there's nothing weird about that name. Like, <laughs> it sounds like a bad guy name. Yeah. Like, we just uh, had Dark yeah. Side. Now we got Manhunter. Yeah. Like, um, all my criticism aside, I'm with you. I I did enjoy my time with yeah. it. It was a good. I, it was a good watch. Yeah. I, I do recommend anybody go out and watch it. What I what I would recommend though is what Mike did, not what I did. Yeah. Which is cut it into like four pieces. Yep, for sure. And watch it over a period of time. As opposed to like forcing yourself with your eyes with your hands like this to watch it for four hours because uh, you gotta do a live stream next day. Yep. I'll put it like th- <laughs> I'll put it like this. It's like when you order a large cheese pizza for yourself. You could eat the whole pizza in one sitting. You'll like the pizza, you'll love the pizza, but you'll feel like shit after and be like, I, I, it was a good idea at the time, but I shouldn't have done that. But if you take the pizza, you eat like half of it, and then you save the rest for like maybe lunch the next day and lunch the day after, you're like, I, I'm glad I did this. And it's still the same pizza. Eh, it's a little lukewarm. I didn't heat it up in the oven because I had to, you know, do some other shit, but like, it's still the same pizza that I had, and you don't feel like shit. So take that, kids, and Run with it. As a fat man that does that a lot, his analogy works. <laughs> Thanks. I do it too. Um, and with that, let's uh, jump to this awesome interview with uh, Jay Sandlin. Welcome back, everybody. This week we have yet another very special guest with us this week. I want everyone to welcome to the show Jay Sandlin. Welcome to the show, Jay. Hey. Hey, I'm glad I made it here live to be on the show. <laughs> now, yeah. I forgot to ask, guys, are we audio or video? Can they see me? Uh, yeah, they can see yeah. you and hear you. Yeah. All right, I yeah. will keep my hands where we all can see them. Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> man, we've been, in quarantine, we've been in quarantine a long time, you know what I'm saying? And, well, the, be- uh, the best thing about uh, video uh, interviews is you don't have to wear pants. You know, this is <laughs> how do you know I am wearing? Yeah, I, I'm not assuming the pants. You know, it's it's fine. No, I'm repping my dojo today, man. Oh yeah, I repped awesome. the dojo, Eagle Fang. That is awesome. <laughs> I, I, I just that. finished season three of Cobra Kai. Um, 
We've got, uh, I just, I'll just jump right in. Um, we've got a, uh, episode upcoming of our podcast, Geekopedia, mm-hmm. which, uh, just hit a two year mark with over a hundred episodes. Nice. We had a triple, actually it's a quadruple podcast. Uh, four podcasts came together for a group watching of the next karate kid on Netflix. So oh, nice. we're, by this time this comes out, uh, that should have dropped soon. Uh, but you can check that out on our podcast, Geekopedia. Find it at uh, jsandlin.com, where you can find out uh, my social media, Twitter, Instagram, and any book releases I've got going on. Um, probably also best, if you want to know the releases, you will uh, you can sign up for a newsletter cool. that goes out. Yeah, I, I try not to wear out my welcome. I appreciate anybody that subscribes, and I respect your inbox enough not to start throwing out those emails like shitikin, you know, (laughs) there are, there are comic book writers who are basically, you know, I call them like Michelangelo's. They're always just throwing out their stuff and you got to hustle to get, you know, to get your stuff. But at the same time, I won't overload you with updates just when things are happening. uh, Like right now with the release Mm -hmm. we've got coming up on the 31st. Yeah. So let's actually, uh, I think it's actually been moved back to April the 7th in some shops. Oh, okay. As well. So, I just heard that today, in fact. <laughs> um, as much, I mean, I can sit here and talk for uh, over an hour about uh, Co- Cobra Kai, but um, I'll go I love, yeah, I love that show. Hey, let's uh, come but, back and do a podcast on it sometime. Yeah, let's do it. But let's, I'll uh, have you guys on mine next time. Yeah, okay. We'll that. Oh, deal. Talk um, about that. So let's talk about, uh, you know, the H.H. Holmes. Um, what is this book? And I mean, you said it's delayed a little bit, so we'll talk about that. But uh, give us this this plot synopsis of this uh, this horror book you've you've created. Well, it's interesting that you use those terms because oh. I didn't create. Well, yeah, I've, I have heard about him. You know, just over a moment. Like, just a moment. Yeah. I didn't create H.H. Holmes, and there are a lot of ways you could question who did. For those who don't know, he is a real life or was a real life individual. He was known as the American Jack the Ripper, but he's known to have killed a lot, lot more. Mm-hmm. And I got to put my research skills to use and dive into some documentaries, some books, web pages, and really learn about the things he did. Uh, when Zenoscope first gave me the pitch, Back in November of 2020, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. And they said that they wanted a story uh, for the Tales of Terror Quarterly. So that's an anthology, which is yep. kind of free form. If you're not familiar with it yet, um, you can kind of have any kind of story. Sometimes they've posted like four short stories. Uh, sometimes they'll have one, uh, you know, start to finish story, which this one is. Um, you know, Xenoscope announced earlier this year that they were making a shift toward focusing on more one-shots in original graphic novels and TPBs over just monthly 20-page floppies, maybe a quarterly 64- to 72-page release. So you get a bit more binge for your buy, and when you have that on your pull list, you know you may get it. Um, They've got it worked out. There's some schedule where you're never without one for maybe six weeks or so Mm -hmm. if if you've got them on your pull. Yep. So that's where you talk to your local comic shop, make sure they're on your pull, and you can get stuff like uh, the Tales of Terror Quarterly, which works like a Tales of the Crypt anthology. Mm. Except our Crypt Keeper 
at Xenoscope. I mean, I may be biased, but she's a lot hotter. Uh, you'll, you can see her on one of the covers for this book that you guys were talking about. Yep. Um, her name is Ceres, goddess of death, or a death goddess, and she's the kind of the gatekeeper or the guardian of the anthology. Okay. Um, she doesn't appear in this story uh, in the H.H. Holmes. It's very much a mix of past and present when a uh, string of killings at a Chicago hotel in the present, known as the Gemini, um, raises some suspicions that there might be a copycat killer of H.H. H. Holmes on the loose in the city again. Mm-hmm. So what makes this book really special, we took two art teams and devoted the script from the beginning. We said the script would be composed of scenes from the past, scenes in the present, and how they all come together and how H.H. H. Holmes and his legacy runs through them all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... I mean, yeah, and there's and there's the tale of him. The truth about H. H. Holmes is rooted there too. I mean, like you said, you did your research. And- the truth is there. Everything that H. H. Holmes does in the comics and mm-hmm. that he does in his scenes set in the past happened, and yeah. I adapted them and put them in kind of in order. Um, it's kind of like playing with puzzle pieces a little bit. You might mm-hmm. rearrange and move and shift but broadly from start to finish i tried to cover the actual things that happened um it's almost like reading about an al capone meets jack the ripper yeah because holmes was a killer he um if for people who don't know in the 1890s he acquired some land that had been a drugstore and he converted the building into a three-story hotel and he said it was for the world's fair but in reality, he was killing people in it. Mm-hmm. And that's not even how, you know, you would think someone would notice if you go to a hotel and you die, and that's a pattern that they might catch on to it. Yeah, you would think, right? You would think he was smart. He was smart enough not just to avoid capture and stage his crimes and hide bodies. He um, committed so much financial fraud. He was almost like a Ponzi or a Wolf of Wall Street guy. Mm-hmm running these schemes with life insurance Mm -hmm. and uh, in my day job i don't know if i talk about it very much if you follow me on social media i usually don't but i've sold insurance and financial services for over a decade Mm -hmm. so i was interested to read how much the real hh holmes did with life insurance fraud and collecting on his victims and then defrauding banks, he was uh, he was a bit of a trump. He would go to a bank, get everything handed to him, never pay it back. Mm. That was what eventually took him down. It wasn't even the murders. That almost came as an after effect. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, it's great. But what really makes this story, you're, you're going to get the history of it, but mm. it really is. I have all the credit for the art teams, and mm. I the we had two of them. One art team was doing the past, and one art team was doing the present. Okay. And we would assign the pages. We would assign the panel numbers you know, after the script was written. And they would just divide and conquer and make something with their own unique styles, but still fits together. And I'm just mm. really – I'm in awe of the work they did. Uh, yeah, and I I think that adds another layer to it of um, – the, the art change in the past and then going to the to the present, um, I think that adds a little more to the story. Oh, yeah, too. you read it. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <read> yeah. <laughs> yeah I was rambling on about it like you've never heard of it, but yeah, I guess yeah. 
it's if it just came out, depending on when you're listening, it may be April 7th before it's available, but it should still be on Comixology if you're into getting it digitally. Um, I recommend asking your local comic shop for one of all three covers. Um, there's three great covers uh, that we had talked about. Which one did you say you ordered, Michael? Uh, I, I liked the um, the house one of like the there's a house and like a face. That's the uh, I'm the a big David fan of that one too. David Seidman cover. It's kind of like a cabin in the woods. Yeah, mm-hmm. the hotel. Yep, and and being inside of the mind of a killer. And if you look at that cover, I'll tell anybody you need a, a, a physical copy, but if you have a digital copy. Make sure you zoom in on the red areas. Oh, okay. And don't forget to look deep in those red areas, yeah. or you will miss a lot of very intricate details that uh, that Dave put into that. I think I, I saw him post it just on his own account, and he had like probably over seven thousand likes on it. Just you oh, know, wow. saying, "Hey, look what I did." Yeah, and you know. And then I, I can't get five likes, you know, for my. It's <laughs> 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 like I, I didn't draw this, but someone else drew this because I put some words together. Right, right. Me writer, you're me, you're me. <laughs> look, <right. laughs> look at these letters I put together. Look at these letters. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like you worthless. You're so worthless. All you did was take. There's only twenty six of them. All you did was put them in an order. Um, no, I've had so much fun working with. Um, I've never spoken to the artists directly. Oh. Wow. I've, that's why I'm having, a, I wouldn't be able to just name them off the top of my head yep. uh, because it's a big coordination. Uh, Xenoscope has kept me in every step of the way through the stages of comic production from finalizing the scripts. The writer's job wasn't necessarily done. I got to rubber stamp layouts, inks, colors, and then look back at the fully lettered pages. And you know, I could throw in my suggestions. I didn't. I tried not to throw in too many because I really wanted the artist to take it from there. But I would throw them in, and I would answer questions. And we all just had such a great experience working with Rachel, the uh, mm-hmm. assistant editor on this group. Uh, was it just felt very smooth? And I said that to Rachel when we were done. I said, you know, this was a, a pretty smooth experience. I, I had a great time overall. And she said, yes, it felt like uh, a complex book, but we did get through it pretty smoothly. Mm. So I don't know how that came across when you read it. I'm still kind of interested to hear reactions. I've not had any reactions yet, really. I'm coming off uh, yeah. I'm coming off dropping the review copies yesterday and, and Xenoscope doing the same, and I was trying to get some out too. And then today I just got up and said, I've, I've got to go ride the four wheeler. <laughs> and then I was next, I, I made sure I was leaving early enough. I had plenty of time, but just like I said, when I got on the call with you guys, I was what, 20 minutes late. Yeah. It's all good. I got lost yeah. in the wood, literally got lost <laughs> in the wood. <laughs> Happens to the best of us. Oh, it was great though. I had a great ride in the woods. Uh, I, I needed to get away, but yeah, yeah, sorry. I got a little lost coming back. <laughs> It's all good. So, Xenoscope, uh, first of all, from you talking, it seems like they work things a little bit differently from the other comic companies that we've heard about. Like, they set you up with an artist? Like, so you pitched the idea, or they came to you, no, uh, and the then they just set up the they, artist? Or yeah. is it an artist that you picked out? All right, so let's talk about that. Because uh, when you say ways that you hear of making comics, 
Um, and for people who don't know, maybe if you've never written comics or maybe just thought about writing comics, there's two big ways to write them. Uh, Zenoscope, like other companies I've worked with, Mad Cave Studios, uh, Black Box Comics, uh, they offer a work for hire. And that means that typically they're bringing something to the table in terms of an idea. It could be a short pitch or it could be some detailed pages. In this case with H.H. Holmes, they came to me with a page. I only communicated with uh, Dave, Dave Franchini at Xenoscope to get the outline the way that we, he, that we, we wanted mm-hmm. based on just like a page description. So uh, that was work for hire. I just took their idea wrote the script, we finalized the script, and then from there, uh, they, the other pieces don't cross my path. We work through the editor, mm. who, was, who was our assigned editor, Rachel, and Rachel communicated with the artist and back to me. So, no, I have nothing to do with a work-for-hire project on who else is on the team, usually. Mm. Uh, the other types of comics that I've been working on and making are creator-owned, uh, that's could be with a company like Scout, for instance. Right. Totally yeah. random name I picked there. But uh, Scout could be a place that I'm not saying there. I could be making one. But if it was a place like Scout, wink, wink, I could make a creator-owned <laughs> series. And in that case, it's just like what you say. I am hiring the artist. I am hiring the colorist. We, uh, with some outfits, like with a scout, for instance, they also team you up with an editor, but that's it. Mm-hmm. They can also introduce you to professional logo designers. Okay. They are on their staff. You can hire them freelance. Um, so we are working on some of that with other comics I've made. But no, with Zenoscope, I had nothing to do with picking the creative team. They just picked me for this oh. one. Right. Okay. okay. And then something that's always kind of been I've been curious about with Zenoscope. And this is not a dig at Zenoscope. It's just kind of an observation. I've helped a retailer in the past with uh, ordering. And I remember one time we were sitting down looking at Zenoscope stuff. And he's like, I don't order any of their stuff. What am I missing here? And one of the things that every Zenoscope book tends to have is usually uh, a sexualized woman on the cover. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about that in terms of like their brand and how they, why is that part of their brand? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, um, for me, I didn't really see it that way. So I hadn't really thought about it, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. I, this was my first book working with them on it. I know that they showed me uh, three covers, one, two, three, and one of them I knew would be the Death Goddess because they usually have a cover for her for this anthology. So okay. I wasn't really surprised to see that. Okay. And then another was um, the other. I can't remember if that's a character or if it was meant to be like a French maid. Mm-hmm. But uh, just in real life, H.H. Holmes was a killer of maids and butlers and people who he employed. Mm-hmm. So. From my, I can't say I've gone through their whole catalog. I've read a lot of Neverland mm-hmm. books, and I have seen some of what you said, but it's just reflecting the character that's really in the pages. Um, okay. And I think that they had asked some people about that too. They saw that they uh, put a question online. Um, you know, if you something that they call these, you might call it a cheesecake cover. Mm-hmm. It's like so. Do you? And they just kind of put an out, 
open question. Do you have a problem with them? Does it make you less likely to buy? Um, with some of the other covers I've seen that they've done, I don't know if I, I think it's still there, but I think there is a it's really just a mix. It is a lot of what's in the story. So I just say open the story and find out. I mean, mm -hmm. we were kind of taught don't judge a book by its cover. Mm -hmm. And that was to encourage me to read them. Yeah. Now to say, well, don't read a book because of its cover um, is kind of the same thing. Because I, I grew up in the very conservative type culture where that was just demonized. Mm -hmm. And yes, like my upbringing, my parents probably wouldn't have let me buy that cover. Yeah, yeah, you know? so, yeah, right. But, Same here. But as we've seen, the danger of toxic masculinity lends itself to suggesting if we say the cover's the problem, mm -hmm. well, then it's not. Then doesn't that relieve the one of responsibility who is so disturbed or set off by those images? Doesn't mm -hmm. it? It's isn't it almost an excuse to say let's get rid of things like that because if they can't, then they can't control themselves, right? Well, yes, um, well, if you can't fucking control yourself, we're we're not the ones who need to change for you. Yeah, they don't need to change <laughs> the covers, right? So exactly. that's probably getting kind of deep for uh, a drawing. Yeah. Because <laughs> at the end of yeah. the day, isn't that what that's what it is? Right. It's a drawing. Yeah. Are you really so? Uh, so no, I I don't see that. I mean, I'm sure you could take me through cover by cover, and we could say, well, was that gratuitous? Who draws the line for gratuitous? Mm -hmm. What's the story inside? Why is the cover here? Which is a question that I really enjoy asking. What is a cover going to be and why is it here? And that, Chris, goes back to what you were talking about with the different types of ways of making comics. Um, when I'm work for hire, I may or may not have a say in the cover. Mm -hmm. In the case of my first comic was Mad Cave Studios, where I was hired as part of their talent search, and I was given the book they gave me a prompt, and that was it. They said they wanted an underdog wrestling story. Oh, wow. So that became Over the Ropes. Mm -hmm. And Volume 1 trade paperback is available now. I kind of have to... I, I, I'm really... I've been happy the last few days because it took a while, but um, the hurricane from WWE, Shane mm -hmm. Helms, mm -hmm. um, read it and tweeted about it. Oh, and nice. I just I felt so cool because I remember going to WCW Thunder and seeing him as freaking three count. Yeah, yeah. You remember that? Did you yeah, watch oh, pro, much pro wrestling? Oh, I used to watch it. Yeah. Okay. I used to, yeah, I was definitely. So really I, I'm just like, yeah. and I and I've loved the Hurricane when he went on to WWE and he wrestled The Rock and beat The Rock in one night and he was yeah. this superhero underdog character. Yep. And I thought about all the wrestlers I'd loved over the years, the colorful guys, the face painters, like the Ultimate Warrior, the Road Warriors, and Sting, mm -hmm. great, great Muta. And um, I made a character called uh, the Phoenix. That's the star of Over the Ropes. And that was a work for hire, even though I came up with all the ideas. It was um, what they gave me and what mm -hmm. I made of it. And then they had to approve it. They ultimately decide what goes in. And so they ultimately got to decide the covers, but they gave me a lot of input on them. And that's because as the writer, I was hired first or at the same time as the artist. Zenoscope has their schedule planned where it seems that they have to get covers commissioned well ahead of time before the writer can even begin. Oh. And I think that's really where a lot of the stories begin, Chris, 
is with the cover because they have to have those ready for pre-orders. They have to have those ready for previews world. Mm -hmm. So I found cover art for my comic that existed before the interior pages had been started. Oh, okay. Wow. And that was blowing my mind because I mm -hmm. was like, how do they know this is what it's going to be? <laughs> yeah, right. but, but, but for the timing to work, for them to make these books on a schedule, and they work the tightest schedule that I have seen, and they work it well. I, I mean, it's a well-oiled machine um, that has to deal with, uh, what do you call it, when you know someone throws a wrench in your gears? You know, yeah. Just like any jobs, from time to time, people leave projects. People have to go on to, and accept another gig. Everybody's doing what they can to get by. Yep. in the past year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love that we have been able to, through COVID and quarantines and across state lines and country lines, put together this story about uh, horror in America, uh, a place where a killer in just not that long ago in the 1890s mm -hmm. just made Chicago his hunting grounds. Yeah, right. And went after women and the vulnerable and the gullible you know, everybody was really stupid to him. Yeah. Um, just a reign of terror on it. And then what if the same thing happens again in the present day? Right. Uh, that's kind of what the story asked. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, to put the record straight, uh, I personally don't have a problem with the covers. I mean, it's the covers or whatever, but I will say that it was surprising to me when I got when I actually opened the book and I read it and it was it's exactly what you said don't judge a book by its cover right and I guess myself and I know there's plenty of people out there like me have been judging these books by their cover for mm -hmm. so long because it wasn't what I expected when I got it I really enjoyed the story and sure. uh, it didn't have those elements in it so I've always found that to be kind of you're right in everything you say and but it's just kind of a surprising decision for a company to be like, we're, this is what we're going to do for all of our books. And well, I'd say so that was, that was why I asked. Yeah. I'm just, I'm curious. On not, what that's that's a fair is. question. It's yeah. totally fair. I would just say mainly keep an eye on the releases they've got to come this year and see what kind of covers are to come because yeah. I have seen some that are to come. I can't, yeah. I'm trying. There's looks, things I can't say, uh -huh. but I think they kind of hear that. And I would say just wait and see some things to come. Mm -hmm. uh, I might be some other things that I may or may not be a part of. Just, oh, all right. Just a little bit of that out there. insider info. Maybe. You Maybe. Or... First. Yeah. I told – no, I didn't – it's nothing insider. I just stated yeah. the fact that, uh, you know, this was my first Zenoscope book. Yep. I think I like you in the email. It's not my last I'll have this year come out. Yeah, and you had asked us, I mean, because you read the book, how it flowed, and I thought – it's. I mean, it's surprising to me. You never worked with. You just worked through the editor. But the I that might have contributed to how the book, you know, had such a nice flow to it. I mean, there wasn't like, you know, like you're reading it and you go to the past. It's like hard stop or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it's like it almost interrupts the book. It it flowed pretty nicely for those seventy something pages that it was. So seventy four pages. Seventy four pages. Seventy four yeah. pages of story for only eight ninety nine. Yeah, I know. Sorry Come on. for the quick pitch there. Yeah. No, that's no. <laughs> Yeah, pitch it all you want. That's what you're here for. So, yeah. Um, well, but I, so I let do me ask it, you this then: yeah. which uh, which scenes did you, or did you have a preference for past or present scenes? Hmm. Um, or I, how, how did, or do they seem different? Or I, I liked the like murder mystery in the present, but I also 
I didn't I didn't know much about H. H. Holmes, so I even like I did a little research after the book, so I really did appreciate the past scenes as well of like, oh wow, this guy really did um you know, the, these Ponzi schemes, like insurance fraud while killing people. Yeah. Like, I, like the fact that he had his own hotel and was killing people in it, like nobody noticed. Like, um, <laughs> so I really appreciated like the, you know, the education of the past scenes, but also like, oh, this murder mystery is happening. Um, and the suspense of like, oh, there's traps everywhere. So I thought it was a nice mix of like, oh, this is intriguing, but also there's, oh, there's like the suspense happening in the present. I thought it mixed pretty well. Um, yeah. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, for sure. We don't um, have to talk spoilers, but I can just speak for. Um, I'll ask in general terms, and if you've read the book, you'll get it. And if not, just go read the book. But some of the surprise reveals—did you see all of them kind of coming, or did anything kind of surprise you? Um, I had like, I had suspicions. I guess. Um. I mean, it wasn't like, yeah, I mean, I, you can kind of like some of the characters without spoiling anything, right? Some of the characters know a lot about what's going on in the situation. And that kind of leads you to think like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe this person's in on it. Maybe they have dealt with this before, but um, I don't know. It's almost, I, it's hard to tell who it is though, out of the group, if it, if you are suspecting someone. <laughs> I, I will say that I was suspecting I guess it was kind people. of a, de- a demented version of Clue, maybe. I yeah, think about right. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this uh, is but, one fucked up Colonel Mustard. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like wow, this guy is. Uh, got hey, some that's how we should have marketed it. <laughs> yeah, that would be. How would that would that be a good cover for you, Chris? If we had yeah. a uh, murdered <laughs> Colonel Mustard with a, in the in the hotel with a candlestick. <laughs> <laughs> not, just that, put, does, that, does that offend your sensibilities? Mike's name on it saying one fucked up Colonel Mustard. Yeah, Mike yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> one fucked up Colonel Mustard. Yeah. Um, Quarterly Tales of Terror. Yeah. That's uh but I I think I mean I was suspecting someone, um, but it's hard to really pick it out of the group because they all seem to have a connection to what's going on, right? And yeah, um, they're all very shady. <laughs> so, like, connections, they don't, um, yeah. connections are a big part of the part, a, a big part of the plot uh, in terms of who's connected to who, and you reveal it gradually throughout. You throw people off the chase sometimes yeah. with red herrings, and yep. maybe it was this one, maybe not. You, But your gut's telling you something, and yeah. it was my hope, just speaking generally for readers, maybe you can tell me off-air what you thought, but it was my hope that if you were listening to your gut, the story would confirm your gut for the end a bit. So, yeah. right. that's it. When you're writing and people talk about your twist... You know, and not every story has to have a twist, but when you're writing a story with a twist, it's not a complaint when someone says, I saw this coming. Mm -hmm. If they didn't see it coming, then that's great. But if they did see it coming, it's also good because you intend to leave those breadcrumbs that if the writer uh, leaves them and the reader follows them, they'll maybe both arrive at the same conclusion. Mm. So that was kind of what I was thinking with that, and then just figuring out how to combine the past and the present, um, and then uh, end it, maybe leave you wanting a little bit more, I hope. 
Yeah. I, I, yeah, I for sure, like, I, I want to see where that story goes at the end, right? Because... Well, I can say that this was just a one-shot. There right. are no plans, like, or was never any mention that would it would be anything more than a one-shot. Um, I can speak in more spoilery terms later of how the story changed as we were working on the outline, but we ended up deciding to kind of leave it um, on that note. You know, we liked leaving it on that beat of asking a question, and the question is what a writer should often leave the reader asking, mm-hmm. is what happens next. Okay. Yeah. So I hope That's... to leave it, I hope that was a goal to leave that story with a question of what happens next, mm. because I may not even know myself. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'd like to know, and that's how we'll end up writing uh, the next one, if they ask. Awesome. Well, hopefully they do. Um and I mean, the best place to send our listeners and uh, watchers is, I mean, it's, you can ask at your local comic shop, right? It's in diamond previews yeah. right now. Yeah. Local um, comic shop, ask for all three covers. If you want, yep. I think you can order it directly off Zenoscope.com. And then you've got your digitals available. It's already up for pre-order in comiXology even right now. Yep. So uh, you can check it out there too. And just again, where can we send our listeners if they want to follow all the stuff that you're doing and your podcast that you do? I think jsamlin.com will be the best place to go. That's where I've got everything kind of laid out and announced. So so when I forget, I can just pull it up and look on the main page. Mm-hmm. And that's what my friends are telling me is not an excuse for keeping a calendar. But uh, that's how I remember things sometimes. It's how I've been keeping track of this because Holmes has been at the top of the page. And if you uh, scroll down, you'll see uh, coming in July, I've got my first book with Black Box Comics. It is a fantasy adventure uh, called Gen Hunter, and it was just listed on CBR.com's number one anticipated uh, indie title for 2021. Oh, awesome. So you can see that in July. Yeah, it's about Zara the Mage Hound and her uh, fateful sidekick, Binu the Phoenix, searching the realms for a rogue elder gen before he's granting wishes for these mortals that's leading to a great disasters and an upset of the cosmic balance and oh. the only one who can save the world is her ex-girlfriend but they've not talked in centuries it's just a whole thing oh okay <laughs> yeah but very but, like but very relatable right right yeah right <laughs> i mean that's the whole going to talk to an ex yeah that's yeah. rough but yeah. you're like frodo with the one ring and <laughs> you got to go make up with Samwise if you're gonna make it up that mountain and it's not right. looking good yeah there's birds hanging around but they can't just fly you to the end it's even the yeah. same there <laughs> i love making the characters for that and working with uh demetrios zakaris uh ceo of black box so cool. big shout out to him follow him on twitter at black box uh comics yeah well um and we'd love to have you back when when that's coming out too and talk Anytime. more about your project so i promise uh, not to be 20 minutes late from <laughs> getting lost in the woods next time actually uh, I, I can't make any promises now that i think about it <laughs> we, we tried not to be calling yeah yeah that's we're, uh we're calling my friend that's right so uh, i am lucky- out there uh, all those links will be in the show notes down below to Jay's website. I'll have a link to his Twitter account and uh, a link to check out the book at previews.com. So make sure to click on that and check it out. Uh, Jay, it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, the book's really good, and we hope you have a successful launch with it. Yeah. Hey, 
We I saw you had a let's, let's all raise our glasses. I saw you yeah. had a purple cup too. Yeah, I got, I got a purple one here. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, mates. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hello. Welcome back to the other side. Um yeah, so please please check out Jason on his website, all the things he's doing. Uh, all the cool stuff. And we got a lot of comic book news to drudge through, dig through. Let's uh, let's let's file it away and get through it. What do you think? Let's do it. Um, Kickstarter announced that they're partnering with Bookshop.org to create a space to sell successful crowdfunded comics and books. This partnership will give independent creators a new place to market and sell their products after their crowdfunding campaigns are finished. I think this is a great idea. I totally agree with you for couple reasons one i think the one thing that kickstarter fails at that indiegogo succeeds at is the after the campaign um whatever they call it the extended yeah. like being able to buy the archives book. or something i forget what it's called yeah and i think this is a great way for kickstarter to do that to kind of push the books over there and say you could pre-order them here like this book was successful go pre-order over there it gives creators a chance to say Hey, we were successful in our funding. We're gonna be able to print the books, but then they can come on a show like this and be like, "Yeah, we you know we funded, but yep. we're gonna be over on Bookshop.org. You can still pre-order it, mm-hmm. and when they come in, I'll be able to send them all out together." Yeah, I I love love this announcement. I'm so happy for it. Yeah, for all the creators out there. Because I'm just gonna be going on Bookshop.org and like looking at the comics they got for sale. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm excited for that. And I want to say. He wasn't directly a guest on the show, but somebody who was on the show is like the first image you see in the announcement, their book. Oh. And it's Russell Nolte, Nolte, who was on our Cthulhu Invades Oz special. Oh, awesome. Good for yeah. him. Yeah. His really book, cool. Ichabod Jones, is going to be one of the ones on there. So Very cool. Um, not to be outdone by DC, Marvel is also celebrating Pride Month, as they should, with one-shot comics titled Marvel Voices Pride Number 1. Much like DC Pride, this comic will spotlight some of Marvel's LGBTQ plus characters from creators like Kieran Gillen, Steve Orlando, Teeny Howard, Javier Garon, and more. Awesome. So I think that's I think that's great. We talked about this last episode. Um, yeah, and I, like those are some good writers. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I love the Marvel Voices line. Like I don't pick them up that often because most of the time they're not directed at me. Right, and they don't have characters I really care about, but I like that line because they've been doing it now. What they did, Indigenous people, mm-hmm. so Native Americans, and I think they did one for Women's, but yeah, uh, yeah. Women's Month. Yep. Uh, so I think it's a cool line and good. Do that, like you know, spotlight some of these characters because, mm-hmm. like we talked about in the Pride one, like when who was it? Uh, uh, Midnighter. Midnighter. Like yeah. I had no clue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, part of the Midnighter story with Steve Orlando is he has a relationship with Apollo. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I think it's you know it's cool. I, I yeah. like it. Uh, Marvel Comics has announced its plans for a new Predator series. Uh, they had acquired the rights a while ago, right? And we didn't. Nothing came of it. Um, last year, yeah. So yeah. it would have been beginning of this year. Or yeah, beginning yeah. of last year was the beginning of it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the ongoing comic will take place after the film series. And is written by Ed Bryson and art by Kev Walker. Ed Bryson's a writer. That's uh, and so take place after the film series. So this is like after Predator one and two. I would I would guess. 
I, see, I haven't seen the most recent because there's two Predator movies that are recent, right? Oh, I watched one of them. Oh no, I did watch because one was a Robert Rodriguez movie, oh, and I can't yeah. remember the other. I don't know. I'm not a big Predator fan. I like the yeah. first Predator because Arnold rules, right? And I uh, like the second Predator because uh, Danny Glover. <laughs> that is correct too. Yeah. <laughs> other than that, <laughs> other than that, I'm not a big Predator fan, and yeah. um. The Alien book is coming out this week, and I think I discussed it a thousand times, but like the only reason I even care about that one is because it's got a creator that I absolutely adore writing it, and nothing against Ed Brisson, but you haven't reached that absolutely adore list yet. If it was <laughs> so, Donnie Cates writing Predator, Chris would be all over that shit. Yes. Like, give me four. Yeah, there. Um, Immortal Hulk is getting a spinoff series from Al Ewing and uh, Crystal Frazier with art by... Land Medina. The series will follow the team created in the pages of Mortal Hulk called Gamma Flight, and the series will take the name Gamma Flight. So, makes sense. Yeah, Gamma Flight's a cool team. Yeah. It's a lot of, if you follow L. Ewing through Marvel, and I like that Marvel does this, um, you'll notice with Marvel creators, they have like char- characters they like that follow through their stories. Mm-hmm. And it's never like it's not like like Al likes Captain America, so he ends up in all of his books. It's like Al likes Puck, so yeah. Puck just finds a way in all of his books. Yep. So it's all those little characters that he's kind of gathered um, through that book to be this team. And Immortal Hulk's yeah. good, so yeah, you know, check it out. Yeah, pretty popular book. Uh, this is pretty cool. Zack Snyder said in an interview that him and uh, Jim Lee have talked about finishing the Snyderverse in comics. They planned on getting the ball rolling before the DC slash AT&T layoffs, but with shelves due to those events. Uh, Snyder and Lee said the project could be revived if the fan support was there to make it happen. I'm already seeing hashtags finish the Snyderverse, um, and I I think this is probably the best way to do it as a comic. I'll read it uh, for sure. Um, so, I just, yeah, go ahead. Uh, let's just say, I didn't want to say this during when we we're talking about uh, Snyder Cut, so I want to save it for here. Yeah. My biggest disappointment with Snyder Cut was that the fact that I liked it, and then I knew that we're never going to get the Batman versus Deathstroke movie. We're right. never going to get Justice League Two. Yeah. I understand. I understand the reaction, and I kind of, at this point, with what DC Films is, I agree. I would rather have that Snyder verse than what we have now with DC. Right. But I don't think it's ever going to happen. I think yeah. it's a lost cause. And yeah. this is the best way to do it. And some of the stuff he's talked about, um, doing just like two and three, doing a solo Batman book that would be about what happened between Batman and Joker and how right. Robin died. Yep. These are things I would really like. So Yeah, I would, re- I would read the crap out of that. So, I mean, we saw it with, uh, they're doing a continuation of Batman uh, 1989. Like, yeah. Yeah, so it can happen. Especially if Jim Lee did the art. Oh, yeah. Yeah, please. Um, Black Hammer is coming back with Jeff Lemire. What? An artist, Caitlin Yarsky. The series is called Black Hammer Reborn and will continue after the events of Age of Doom. Sign me up. Caitlin Yarsky, a upstate New Yorker who lives in Buffalo right now. Um, nice. Represent. <laughs> I'm so happy Black Hammer's back. Yeah. With it's Jeff Lemire, yeah. With Jeff Lemire, like I, yeah. the Visions book, I've been disappointed with, but they're still fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is going to follow Black Hammer's daughter, who kind of who got the hammer at the end of Age of Doom. Yep. 
And I just, yeah, more Black Hammer. Yeah, Give like to more. leave it on a cliffhanger like that, you piece of crap, Jeff Lemire. Come on, dude. I even I even read that series. It's like, dude, how are you going to leave me there? You know? Yeah. Um, and I like the solo books he's been doing. The Because what comes out this week? Barbalian. Yeah, Barbalian, yeah. Really good, but like, it's not... It's not Black Hammer. Yeah, it's not that story, so... Yeah. Um, previously announced... Archie Mighty Crusaders relaunch with Rob Liefeld now has its release date and title. The first comic to come of this is coming in June and will be called The Mighty Crusaders, The Shield, number one. The Shield, for those who don't know, is a patriotic superhero who ironically doesn't carry a shield and was originally launched three years before Captain America. Interesting. I really don't like... Not Liefeld, the person. Liefeld's art. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, um, it's it's an acquired taste. Yeah, but I like Mighty Crusaders. I like the Shield. I mean, yeah. obviously, yeah. <laughs> right? I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna meditate on this and whether I'm gonna buy it or not, and uh, let everybody know. Yeah, um, let's, let's smoke a doobie and meditate. There you go. To figure it out. Go to the top of the mountain and find. I don't know. Become <laughs> one with the universe. Um. Cullen Bunn has a new comic series coming from Dark Horse Comics with artist Andrea Moody called Parasomnia. The series is said to be a horror fantasy series in which a man searches for his lost son in the most dangerous realm to face off against the Faceless Queen. Sounds awesome. Sign me the hell up. (laughs) Love Andrea Moody art. Yeah, and Um, we love uh, some Cullen Bunn and dark fantasy against the Faceless Queen. Yeah, it sounds like a metal album. I, yeah, I'm I'm down for this. Yeah, like the the horror thing, horror is obviously an acquired taste for me, right? Uh, but I love Andrew. Me- I I love Colin too. Like Colin, you're my boy. I love you. Yeah. But I will read anything Andrew Moody does because yeah. I just love his art. Yeah. Yep. The I think he, I could be wrong, but I think he did the book with. Uh, oh man. Lose a dark horse book about the rebels, about uh, oh. revolutionary wartime. Yeah, and it's amazing. Yep, I do remember that. Yeah, the art is so good. Um, and with that, let's talk about what we read this week. Yeah, all right, comics. What about oh, you? Me too. Um, I actually had only a couple. I, I, uh, yeah, watching, watching, um four hours of a movie really kind of cut into my time here. Um, okay. So justice league number 59 Bendis, Dave Marquez. Uh, I liked, <laughs> I liked the whole dragon ball Z style of like bad dude shows up in uh, Kondok and talks about power levels and shit and just tries to like, was that the vibe you got from this issue it was like straight up. It's a dragon ball Z episode, which isn't a bad thing. Like that's, if that's what my justice league is going to be for like 10 issues, Fuck yeah! Like, sign me up. Uh, Sorry, I'm laughing because that's exactly how I felt. And oh yeah, like... it was it was totally a Dragon Ball Z episode. Like, this dude is Captain Ginyu, man. <laughs> like, he's that. He even has the horns and everything. Um, so, please you know... give me an episode. Please give me an issue, Bendis. Listen, give me one issue that's all the sidekicks on a random island that has to save orphans. That has nothing to do with the rest of the story. Yep, yep, yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> Um, okay, so basically the bad guy shows up, he fights Black Adam, 
And then the Justice League shows up. It's like, all right, Black Adam, you can stop pretending to be a good guy. We'll take it from here. Uh, the nth metal in Hawkgirl's mace reacts with the creature. Um, and long story short, the they trace the they can't find the creature belongs on their planet anywhere. Like it's not part of the universe. But then they find out it's related to Naomi, so it might be New Gods related. Um, and then they show Naomi at the end, and Black Adam finds her before the Justice League does. So he knew he knew it before the Justice League did. Um, so there's definitely something going on here. I don't know if it's New Gods related. It, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting it to be because it, you know Naomi's part of it, right? So yeah. it seemed like just a way to shoehorn Naomi into a mainstream story. <laughs> well, it's Naomi's Bendis's creation, so of yeah. course it's going to be. Uh, Things I really liked here, uh, one the that you didn't mention, the Green Arrow, like the backstory there, where he's like, "We need to bring more people into the Justice League." Oh yeah, right. Um, just makes me like giggle because I think of old Justice League, where it's just like everybody's in the Justice League. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. That's what I want. Um, which I'm fine with. Yeah, like I like, but it just made me laugh. And then the greatest scene in all this book was the shark tsunami that um, oh, yes. Aquaman creates. Yeah. I love. I actually really love the pacing of the battle because he gave everybody yep. their moment. In it. And that's important in a Justice League book. You don't see that all the time. So. Yeah. So I thought he had a really strong first issue coming in. Oh, yeah. Um, especially for Bendis, who, as a Bendis apologist myself, mm-hmm. struggles with team books. Yeah, and this was, I think this is great. The Aquaman, the Sharknado, come on, like, sold. Um, and then we got the, the Just League Dark uh, story with Ram V and uh, Zermanico on the art. Uh, this was a, a story of uh, Merlin returning and talking about how, like, he needs to propel the world into their new destiny, which doesn't sound good for the world at all. Um Zatanna and Constantine are looking for a cult that um, they're trying to summon an angel or a demon like there's but they summon both at the same time and like what comes of both of them being summoned like Jason Blood appears out of like thin air. Um, He's the one that summons so Jason Blood is back. Uh, Something's happening. I mean there's some type of event happening that's related to magic and heaven and earth or heaven and hell. So um I I mean I'm interested in what's happening. I don't know much about Merlin, um, but I do like Justice League Dark, so I'm glad that it's added along to the Justice League story. So funny you say that. I wish it wasn't there. <laughs> oh, okay. Well I mean it's there. You don't have to read it, but um uh, well my my reason I wish it wasn't there, because what DC's doing is they're jacking the price and giving us two books in one oh, to sell yeah. it out. So for me, I would rather go back to buying my two ninety nine. What is this one? Four ninety nine. Yeah, four ninety nine, and then they're jacking up to like five ninety nine soon. So yeah. I'd rather pay my two ninety nine for three ninety nine for just Justice League. Right. Yeah. Because I, I, yeah. I just, I'm not a Justice League dark guy. Like, okay. it's not, so that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Snow Angels number two. This is Jeff Lemire and Jock. Uh, we left off in the first issue with the whole village being killed by this like snow snowman android. Um, basically, they say we have to get a move on and try to get to the edge of the uh, what do they call it the the trench. Um, 
you know, there's all these stories of like nobody's ever made it past the wolves and the bears, but obviously they have to try to get past the wolves and the bears. Um, but as the children and the dad are trying to make it to safety, the, uh, they see the snowman. They're like, you know, screw it. We got to get into the woods and try to get through the other side because he's going to kill us. The dad gets bit by a wolf and uh, tells the little the two younger girls to run and leave him there. So I'm, I just want to I'm interested to see, like, what happens when they get to the other side. Like, what where, what is this world? How did we get here? Kind of thing. Um, I think it's good so far, though. I'm, did you ever play the game uh, Horizon Zero Dawn? No, I haven't. Okay, spoilers for anyone who hasn't played that game, but it's been long enough, you're not going to play it. So, <laughs> We get this realized world where like humans are kind of living in these almost Native American-esque ways of like, they're in these tents and, every, and these communities and living off the land, but then there's dinosaurs that are made out of their robots so we're like what the fuck's going on we end up finding out that like a calamity happened and these machines were able to recreate themselves and create themselves into these creatures to kind of possess the world mm-hmm. i'm waiting for that moment <laughs> of like when we get the two girls are just like all right we stumbled onto some of that technology that we saw in issue one and maybe we get into a ship or something. It's like, okay, so this is what the old world was. And it's not magic. It's actually something else and this and that. And so far, these two issues in, I've been kind of, it's an okay book. It's not right. like on the top of my list. And that, right. not every book can be great, but I'm just waiting for that moment to push me over the edge. Be like, okay, I see the world you're creating now. <laughs> I hope mm-hmm. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see more. That's all I got to read this week. So, okay, um, I get to read a little bit more. Uh, I got Radiant Black number two. Um, this is, I mean, it's a continuation of Radiant Black number one, where we got at the end of Radiant Black number one. There was somebody else who found one of those little black holes and got a suit, and that person decided to go rob banks. Oh, okay. So what does our hero decide to do? Let's go find him and ask him questions. And mm. he gets into his first superhero fight. Oh, awesome. Um, and, I mean, that's basically it. Like, he's kind of trying along the way trying to figure out not only who he is, because personally, like, he's unemployed, he's in debt, but he still, like, feels like he wants to be a writer. But then as this superhero, he's, like, figuring out all the how the suit works and what the powers are and what he can do with it. And uh, I, I I'm really enjoying this book. It's like I said, it's got some, it's scratching that invincible itch just a little bit mm. and I'm enjoying it for that. So I'm going to keep going with it. Nice. Uh, actually, I'm going to jump to this Captain America anniversary tribute issue. Number one, oh. which, so this collects, it recreates um, Captain America comics number one, uh, the two stories in it, which is Meet Captain America and the Riddle, the Red Skull, and then Avengers number four, in which Captain America is thought out of the ice and joins the Avengers. So they're not new stories. They're stories I've read a thousand times, but it's got art from everybody, from John Cassidy to uh, Leon Francis Yu 
to Mark Bagley and so on and so forth. So every like page or two is a new artist. Mm-hmm. And I didn't read it cover to cover, but I kind of like went through and just looked at the art because once again, it's like, you know, you've read Detective Comics 27 how many times? Like, yeah, you know right. the story, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I'll say is it was a well-realized, beautiful retelling and tribute to this these stories. Um, they didn't. It doesn't look like they changed the story at all. Um, a lot of the dialogue's the same, so some of it's a little wonky because it's 1930s, 1940s mm-hmm. comics. But it's really good. And then the kind of upgrade the art uh, just kind of put it over the edge for me. So I... I absolutely love it. If you're a Captain America fan or you're interested in those stories to see where that character came from, I think it's a great way to do it because it's more modern art with that classic story. So um, I just love this book. Awesome. Thor number 13, which is part five of the Prey story. Uh, so we got Odin. He's sitting in this bar, kind of drowning his sorrows away. And Valkyrie finds him and says, you need to come help us save your son. Um, long story short, he does. And in the meantime, Thor's down in that other dimension trying to find his way out when he calls upon the ra- the ravens of Odin to help him. And they tell him, we can't bring you out of here, but we can bring your soul out of here. You just need to possess somebody when you get there. And he says, okay, that's fine. I got an idea. <laughs> and then we cut back to the real world where... Uh, Valkyrie and Odin have assembled all the different Thors, including Beta Ray Bill and Throg and so on and so forth, to come fight against this menace. And just as they're starting to fight and get the, the beat down, all of a sudden, here comes Thor, and he's possessed the Destroyer armor. Oh, that's pretty awesome. So that's how they end the issue, is with him and the Destroyer armor with the rune symbol on his chest. That's pretty cool. It's so good. I love Thor. Everybody should read Thor. Um, you should read anything Donnie writes because it's all awesome. And then Red Atlantis number five, which I won't go too deep into, but it's the last issue of that series. It was a nice little wrap-up to the series. Um, we get kind of more of the backstory of where this, the lead character came from, how she's connected to the Russian government, and kind of her decision at the end, which I really loved her decision at the end. Mm-hmm of what she's going to do with the rest of her life. Because a lot of this issue is people trying to push her in a certain direction. Okay. And then how, what she ends up doing is really cool. Awesome. Um, five issues. Red Atlantis is an awesome series. Uh, Stephanie Phillips, obviously we have a little bit of bias, but I don't care. She writes good comics. So check it out. So that is uh, all I had this week. Mike, awesome. where can people find you on that internet? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you under the show? Well, they can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter or the show at Fortress Comics underscore. Also at FortressComicNews.com, where everything we do is right there on that handy-dandy website. Remember, everybody, if you're listening to us, to give us a five-star review or the highest review in whatever podcatcher you use. And if you are watching the show, to like, subscribe, and share. Also, comment down below and let us know what you're thinking of the show. And what comments you have about the show. And if you want to be that extra super special awesome listener, go to Patreon at patreon.com slash Fortress Comics. Everybody, thanks so much for listening this week. And we will see you all next week.